We are continuing our series through the book of Proverbs, uh, trying to learn and live out as best we can these principles of wisdom provided to us throughout this book. And this morning's topic, uh, for me personally, was one that was particularly convicting, uh, really in the lead up before I even started preaching through Proverbs about 10 months ago. I was kind of beginning to plan out and prepare all of these sermons, and uh, this one clocked me right between the eyes. And so of all the subjects that we've talked about so far, uh, this was, for me, the one that has led to the most uh, day-to-day changes in my own life these last several months, and I hope that it will be similarly convicting and challenging for you as well. We're going to be looking today at what Proverbs teaches us on the subject of self-discipline. Uh, before we jump into Proverbs, let's begin with a definition so we know what we're talking about. Uh, here's the Oxford English Dictionary. Self-discipline is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. The ability to pursue what one thinks is right, despite temptations to abandon it. So what we're talking about here is a character trait. It is an ability to do what you're supposed to do, even when you have no other motivation at the moment. Forcing yourself to just do it anyway. It's doing what is best in the long term, even if it's the hardest option in the short term. It is denying temporary ease and pleasure for a future benefit. Here's a definition I got from AI, so for what it's worth. Self-discipline is the ability to control oneself for the sake of improvement. It involves denying or motivating oneself to do what is right and stay on track. Self-discipline is broadly defined as conscious control that is oriented towards successful outcomes by overcoming obstacles or impediments. It is a skill that can be developed and improved over time. Now that last part there is something we're going to circle back to at the end of the sermon, but keep this in mind throughout. Self-discipline is a skill that can be developed and improved. It's not like some people are naturally disciplined people and others aren't and can't be. Rather, self-discipline is an ability that all of us can have, and it has a great deal of benefit to offer to the one who learns to exercise it. Now, let's jump into Proverbs, and we'll see what this book of wisdom has to say about this subject, beginning with two sort of foundational uh, Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs 14.4. This is probably my favorite uh, proverb of all. It says, "...where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox." I love that proverb because when you first encounter it, you have no idea what it means. Uh, But then after you kind of look at it for a while and think about it, it begins to make sense. And it provides a bit of wisdom that is widely applicable to many decisions that we make in our day-to-day lives. In the ancient world, a far greater percentage of the population was involved in farming than is the case today. Really, that's been true throughout history. We live in a very odd time in history uh, where the vast majority of us don't really think about how we get our food. We just go to a store and pick it up. That has not always been the case. In biblical times, almost everyone was involved in farming to some extent. And if you were a farmer, an ox could drastically increase the amount of work you were able to do, the amount of productivity you could get out of your fields. Oxen were used to plow the fields and carry burdens. Uh, They could also haul wagons filled with seeds or fertilizer or whatever it was that you were needing to move. And so purchasing an ox as a farmer, it was a business expense. Uh, It was like a business person today buying an expensive piece of equipment to use in their daily operations. 
It was an investment that would exponentially increase your potential production as a farmer. But oxen were also a lot of work. You have to provide food and water for them. You have to constantly clean up after them. If they're sick, you've got to figure out what the problem is and help them to get well again. It's a lot of work caring for an ox, but there's also a great benefit to having one, and thus the meaning of the proverb. Where there is no ox, the manger, which is the feeding trough for the oxen, stays clean. If you don't own an ox, the manger stays clean. You save a lot of work, in other words, by not owning an ox. But you also miss out on the abundant crops that come by the strength of an ox. The point is, there's a trade-off to be made. You can't have the benefit of the ox without also dealing with the added work and responsibility. And that's the case for many things in life. If we think about your physical fitness, you, cannot do the, you can either do the hard work of eating well and exercising consistently, you'll have the benefit of being in good shape, or you can choose the easy route, eat whatever you want, uh, sit on the couch all the time in your free time, and you gain the negative consequences that come. But there's a trade-off to be made. What you can't do is choose the easy path and also have everything that you want. Things that are desirable usually require a lot of hard work. And the more beneficial something is, the harder you typically have to work to get it. Proverbs wants us to do hard things and gain the benefits that come as a result. Where there is no ox, the manger is clean. That's the easy route in the short term. It's a lot less work not having to deal with that ox. But then you don't get the harvest. The wise person resists the temptation to choose the easiest and most immediately convenient route. Anything that is good and worthwhile in life requires sacrifice and work. Whether we're talking about wealth or good relationships, physical health, achievements, children, education, all of these things require a lot of sacrifices now for a reward that comes later. We must either opt for the easy, easy route or be willing to work and sacrifice temporarily for the long-term benefit. And that's what a lot of self-discipline is. It's doing what you really don't feel like doing in the moment in order to gain something of value later. Whether we're talking about working a job or choosing not to, saving your money or spending it all, all of it requires that we practice delayed gratification. In 2014, Walter Miskell, a professor of Stanford University, wrote a book entitled The Marshmallow Test, Why Self-Control is the Engine of Success. And the name of the book comes from an experiment that he performed in 1972, over 40 years uh, before he wrote this book. It was a study on delayed gratification in which a child was offered a choice between one marshmallow now or two marshmallows later if they waited for a period of time. It wasn't always marshmallows. It depended on what the child's preference was, but that was what the test became known as. The setup was the same. Each child had the treat set on a table in front of them, and they could eat it at any time. But if they ate it, they would not get the second treat. If they successfully waited for about 15 minutes, then the person would come back in the room and give them both treats. And so the children were left alone in that room where they were to wait with the treat sitting right there in front of them. Some of the children, as you might imagine, immediately ate the treat. 
Others waited a while, but eventually gave in to the temptation. And some made it through the 15 minutes and received the second treat. Many of the children tried several techniques for averting their eyes from the treat that was sitting there in front of them. Some of them would cover their eyes with their hands or rest their heads on their arms. Many of the children tried to reduce the frustration of waiting by coming up with other distractions. They would talk to themselves. uh, They would sing. They even invented little games with their hands and feet. One of them even was able to fall asleep. There were a total of 32 children used as participants in the experiment, 16 girls and 16 boys between the ages of three and five years of age. And after the test was completed, the researchers followed up with these children decades later, uh, several times to see how they had grown up and where they were at in life now. And what these follow-up studies found was that the children who had the ability to wait for that second reward tended to have better life outcomes. They scored higher on the SAT test. They had better educational achievements, better body mass indexes, and other life measures such as their vocations and eventually even their net worth. Delayed gratification, uh, learning to deny yourself temporarily for a long-term benefit, proved to be a very valuable skill in their lives. And Proverbs wants us to think like those kids who waited. Don't choose the easy route and be content with the smaller reward. Rather, put in the effort to achieve something better. It's good for us to learn to think in this way, to do hard things in the moment, not always choosing the easiest route. Proverbs 27 verse 18, here's the second of the two foundational Proverbs on the subject says, whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. Fig trees require closer attention than other plants, so the point is that diligence is needed. And that diligence is also illustrated by a guard who carefully watches over his master. Such a person would be elevated to a position of honor for his meticulous efforts. And the point of both illustrations is this, putting forth a total effort in whatever you do, leads to success and honor. There's a benefit on the other side of excellence and diligent work, and it applies to everything from your job to even your garden. Having the self-discipline or the character to do things well leads to success. Self-discipline is like a superpower. It's a character quality that leads to success in many different areas of life. The self-disciplined student often surpasses his peers who, though they may be more naturally academically inclined, they lack his study habits. The self-disciplined athlete often defeats those who may be more naturally talented because of his dedicated training routine. The self-disciplined musician exceeds others who may have more musical ability but lack the character to practice as he does. The same is true for your work your health, almost every area of your life will be improved if you become a highly disciplined person. Now, we've seen this principle expressed in a few Proverbs. Let's see what the rest of the book says about how this uh, practice of self-discipline, this trait of your character, applies to your daily lives. How this skill of being self-controlled can help us in various ways as we try to live wise and God-glorifying lives. First of all, Proverbs 5, 22, and 23. 
It says, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. This proverb teaches us that we need self-discipline to fight against sin and temptation. In the context of this chapter, the specific temptation is adultery, though certainly uh, the same self-discipline is needed for any number of other sins. It takes self-discipline to do what is right, even when everything within you is telling you to just yield to the temptation in front of you. The man in this proverb is held captive by his sin. His iniquities ensnare him. Uh, His sin holds him in cords like a prisoner. And the reason he is in this situation, Proverbs says, is because of his lack of discipline. He hasn't gained the skill of self-denial, forcing himself to do things he may not want to do in that moment. And because he hasn't practiced this habit, developed this skill throughout his life, he falls in the time of temptation. And so... Excuse me. Firstly, we need to learn to be self-disciplined to resist temptation. Next, Proverbs 12, 24 teaches us we need to be self-disciplined in our work. Many other Proverbs we could look at on the subject. We've looked at them in the past, uh, but here's just one. Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Self-discipline is needed to be effective in the workplace. Remember the image in Proverbs of the sloth that inner laziness that we must fight within ourselves. Without discipline, the sloth takes over our lives and makes us unproductive. Diligence doesn't come naturally, but if you develop it, you will excel in whatever you do. Next, self-discipline is needed to control our appetites. When it comes to appetites, some of these are disordered appetites that need to be resisted. Many others are perfectly fine, They may be even good and natural appetites, but they need nonetheless to be controlled. Proverbs 21, 17. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Someone loving pleasure means they overindulge in things that may be okay in moderation, but they are out of control in their life. This is a person who hasn't learned to discipline his appetites, to control them, to subdue them. He's in the habit of just giving in to whatever his desires are all the time. Now, again, many of these things are not bad in and of themselves. We talked about in the past how wine in the Bible is very clearly not altogether forbidden by God. But when one chases after these pleasures as an end in themselves, they become a vice. Oil and wine mentioned in this verse here are pictured throughout Scripture as God's tokens of blessing, good gifts to be enjoyed. But where these are loved rather than God, they lead to grief in the end. And this applies, again, to many areas of our life where a moderate use of something may be okay, but it can often become an out-of-control habit. This even applies to something like food. Proverbs 23, verse 20, Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Excessive eating and excessive drinking are often compared in Scripture. Both are a sign of a lack of discipline. Notice the results of both, according to this proverb, poverty and slumber or drowsiness. Uh, These habits make us unproductive and often lazy. 
Now, we all just finished celebrating Thanksgiving, so this might be an odd time to bring up something like gluttony, but that's not really what we're talking about. Uh, gluttony is in the Bible is not just eating a lot in one meal. It's more so a pattern of life that is characterized by overeating all the time. Eating a lot in one meal is actually commended by God in certain times. It's called feasting. Uh, and something like Thanksgiving, I think, is a perfectly biblical concept, very much in line with the seven major feasts of the Old Testament. Acknowledging God's goodness to us, celebrating with the feast of Thanksgiving, uh, all of that is perfectly fine and good. So if you had too many slices of uh, pumpkin pie this week, don't beat yourself up about that. Gluttony is a habit of overeating all the time. And like drunkenness, it is a sign of a lack of self-discipline that can have disastrous consequences. Now, most Christians focus on the dangers of drinking too much rather than the dangers of overeating, and it's understandably understandable why we do that. Uh, drinking obviously can have a terrible effect not only on ourselves, but on other people as well. If you drink too much, uh, you become a danger to everyone around you. So surely there's, there's a difference in terms of the potential consequences. But still, the Bible does often put these two vices right next to each other because they have the same root issue. It's a lack of self-discipline. Now, I understand that this is an uncomfortable subject to talk about because we're Americans, and this happens to be something that the vast majority of Americans struggle with. We live in a land of abundance where we can eat and drink as much as we want. And so with that ease of access comes a need for greater self-control. People in other parts of the world and at other times in history haven't had such an overabundance as we do. And so they didn't have the same temptations we do to fall into these habits. All the more reason for us to learn to practice self-discipline and begin to control our habits. One good way to develop this uh, correct sort of self-discipline is the practice of fasting. As I said before, feasting is a biblical concept, but so is fasting. Fasting is simply going without food for a period of time to dedicate yourself to prayer. It's something that comes up all throughout Scripture in the Old and New Testament. Some people fasted for a day. Some people fasted for three days. Some for as much as 40 days. And it doesn't seem like this is something we're supposed to do all the time, but particularly at times of need, times when we're seeking God's guidance, fasting is an appropriate and good practice. And one of the benefits that comes through depriving yourself for food, with food for uh, an extended time like this is that it helps you to learn to control your appetite for food. Uh, two more Proverbs on this. First, chapter 24, verse 13 says, My son, eat honey, for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Uh, honey was the dessert of the ancient world. It's nature's sugar. Uh, if you think about everything that occurs in nature outside of our processed types of foods we eat today, there's really nothing as sweet as honey. And so honey was considered a treat. Proverbs says it's okay to eat honey. It's okay to enjoy pleasurable things. But we are to do so in moderation. Don't overindulge. Proverbs 25, verse 16. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Enjoy the good gifts that God has provided you in this life. Do so with thanksgiving to him, but don't let your appetites control you. Rather, we are to be in control of them. Next, Proverbs says we need self-discipline in handling our finances wisely. 
Uh, some of what we've seen in the last few Proverbs we've looked at where out-of-control appetites are said to lead to out-of-control spending. The glutton and the drunkard come to poverty. But when we talk about financial management in Proverbs, really several of the principles of working consistently, saving during productive seasons of life, uh, curbing excessive spending habits, all of that is really just self-discipline applied to our money. Proverbs 20, verse 21 An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Chapter 13, verse 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. It's good for us to work for things, to earn our wealth. If we gain wealth quickly through an inheritance or some other means, Proverbs says it will very likely be wasted. Because it is through the discipline of going to work day after day, slowly acquiring wealth, that we learn how to steward what we've earned. We learn the value of money by working for it. And then as we earn money, what we do with it will then be determined, again, by whether or not we've learned self-discipline. Proverbs 21, verse 20, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. In other words, a foolish man spends all of his resources. He can't uh, deny his desires. A wise person, a self-disciplined person, saves and plans for the future. He makes temporary sacrifices for long-term benefit. Next, Proverbs teaches we need self-discipline to endure trials in life. Proverbs 24, verse 10, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you give up at the first bit of difficulty you encounter, you are not a self-disciplined person. Strength of character is the ability to endure suffering and hardship, to keep going, even when you're very tempted to quit. Life is filled with unexpected twists and turns, suffering and pain. Someone who has lived a life of pleasure and ease will be unprepared when these hard times come, especially if they haven't learned the skill of self-discipline, to keep going even when things are difficult. Next, Proverbs teaches us to be disciplined in our emotions. Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Notice there that controlling your emotions is compared to physical strength, like a warrior, because it's strength of your character. Being in control of your emotions is a sign of self-discipline. Uh, ruling over your spirit, such a vivid way of making that point. You should be commanding your emotions, not being ruled by them. You should be in charge of your anger. Now, that's not something that happens quickly, but over time, we ought to be developing this sort of restraint over our attitude. Proverbs 17, verse 27, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Again, Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. If you give full vent to your emotions, that is a sign of a lack of self-discipline. We ought to be able to govern our emotions, restraining feelings and outbursts that would be inappropriate, choosing when and how to express your emotions. Lastly, Proverbs teaches us we must learn to be content, and this is another area where self-discipline is needed. Proverbs 27.20, Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. We talked about these last Wednesday night, 
uh, when we looked at another proverb during our Bible study. But Sheol is the place of the dead. Abaddon is the bottomless pit in which some of the demonic beings are awaiting judgment. Countless generations of people have gone into the grave, yet death is never satisfied. It always takes more. Roughly 150,000 people die every day. That's about 100 every minute. And it never stops. The grave is never satisfied. Now, it's kind of a dark analogy, uh, but in the same way, the eyes of man are often craving more and more and are never filled. Contentment is learning to enjoy the life you have rather than desiring the life you don't have. Greed, lust, covetousness, these are all never-ending desires that threaten to take over our lives. Self-discipline is refusing to let these impulses direct us. Self-discipline is an incredibly valuable trait. It's a skill that can be improved and developed over time, as we said at the beginning. And as we've seen, it is the engine of success. And so the question is, how do we cultivate this? And it's fairly simple. You push yourself. You do hard things. You do things you don't want to do, and you make yourself do it anyway for a long enough period of time until you begin to form this tenacity. There's no shortcut to becoming a self-disciplined person. Here are some bits of advice that Proverbs gives along these lines. Proverbs 20, verse 13, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, you will have plenty of bread. Get up at the same time every morning, whether you feel like it or not. Uh, This is one way to fight against laziness and develop self-discipline. Getting up, going to work, day after day. It's good for you, it's good for your character to get into those habits. Proverbs 22, verse 29, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings, he will not stand before obscure men. Whatever it is that you do for work, get better at it. Devote yourself to improving. Learn skills and develop those. Work at them. Proverbs 23, verse 20. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. Learn to control your eating and drinking habits. Learn portion control. It's not fun, but it is worth the effort to break bad habits you have and begin to form better ones. Proverbs 21, verse 17. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Do not become a lover of pleasures. I personally think that one of the best ways to learn self-discipline, doing something you really don't want to do that is not at all pleasurable in the moment, is physical exercise, whatever form of that you want to talk about, if it's cardio or weight training or whatever. Odds are that the vast majority of the time, you're just not going to feel like doing it. But you push yourself and you do it anyway. And you get better and stronger, you feel better, you're healthier as a result. And I think one of the great mental benefits of that practice is that it trains you in self-discipline. You begin to rule over your body, over your desires. Uh, One last proverb as we conclude, Proverbs 25, verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Disaster awaits you if you don't learn self-discipline. Don't choose the easy route. Work hard. Be disciplined in your financial management. Control your body and your appetites. Rule over your spirit. And the more you do this consistently over time, you become a highly disciplined person capable of success in many areas of life. Jesus is our ultimate example of wisdom, and he showed us what it looks like to live a highly disciplined life. 
Uh, Jesus, of course, spent the first many years of his adult life working as a carpenter, and then we really get more details about his life at the age of 30 and on, where he begins his public ministry. And right at the start of his ministry, he fasted for 40 days. Talk about self-discipline. That's a long time to go without food. During this time, we see Jesus also, his discipline in resisting temptations from Satan. Throughout the next three years, he was traveling around Israel, preaching the kingdom of God. We see Jesus often spending all night in prayer, staying up for hours after he was exhausted, healing the sick who were brought to him. Perhaps most clearly, we see the self-discipline of Jesus when he was falsely accused and mocked, and he did not respond. He had such control over his spirit, he didn't even lash out when his enemies spit on him. And ultimately, in obedience to his father, Jesus had the discipline to lay down his life willingly for our sins. Proverbs has shown us that many of these benefits of self-discipline come to us personally, but it's also true that this kind of strength of character will make you a far more effective disciple of Christ. Self-discipline is needed to be productive in the kingdom of God, whether it's working hard to earn income and give generously to the ministry, laboring and studying the Word of God in order to teach it, or if it's working with people, helping the lost to find salvation, helping new converts to grow in their faith. All of it is hard work, and the most effective churches are those filled with disciplined people, people who can be relied upon, people who are productive and organized, people with initiative, people who make sacrifices and understand long-term thinking. Self-discipline, like all of these aspects of wisdom in Proverbs, not only offers a personal benefit to you, but it also makes you a more effective servant of your Lord. And so as we move into our time of prayer, I want to encourage each one of us to take a few moments and pray, asking God to help us in whatever areas of life you need it most to become disciplined. Let's pray together.